Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. It's Derek, joined by Kyle, who was at last night's game, so was not here for our show last night. But how are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. I walked into the studio today, and Derek flipped seats on me. I've never yeah. sat on this side of the studio, which I should say has been because I've had some hearing issues in this year from the swimmer's year, and mm-hmm. Derek was kind enough to give me that side. You until... mentioned recently that it had improved, <laughs> so we're going to test it right now. Yeah, we'll see. how see. well you do. Well, if you say something I don't like, I'm just going to go, what? <laughs> yeah. What? I can't hear you over there. So, obviously, the Sixers played last night. Uh, you were at the arena for the game. Lost again. Nobody really cares. But some good things to take away, some bad. And Bede still not playing, Hard still not playing, yada, yada, yada. We can get into a little bit on that if there's any kind of major takeaways you have from that game. But we did have you on last night remotely. Yeah. I mean, Jaden Springer Hive is alive and well, I would say, is the big takeaway. Didn't- I think I'm probably in that hive, especially since at the beginning of the season, we had a, a, a thing where like which role player we thought had a chance to break in the rotation. I'm not yet patting myself on the back, but I'm pretty gosh darn close because I had Springer. You had, I think, Turk breaking in there so I'm close to padding I'll, look, I'll take my credit when I can get it yeah look some of that was I just wanted to be, be different for sure slightly different and so we're not just agreeing on everything yeah I've, everyone we have Jeff shouting out Godner's powder blue Phillies hat I actually just inside baseball literally in this case <laughs> I did not wear a Phillies hat today because we both wore Phillies hats the other day and, and the Phillies lost yeah. so I thought I would switch the mojo up a little bit and make sure that I'm doing my part as if the hat I wear has any impact on whether Bryce Harper hits a home <laughs> run or not. So a little bit of superstition going on there. I am very not superstitious, so I, I will risk it. If they lose tonight, you can blame me completely, though. I'll take it. I'll yeah, take it. so here's what I would say about the game that nobody watched on Wednesday night that we talked about briefly late at night last night. Springer looked great. I think Tyrese coming along certainly wasn't as good of a game as he played the other night. I am very worried at the current moment about how the backup bigs are going to thrive and survive without James Harden spoon feeding them looks. Uh, Less concern about Paul. I thought Paul Reed found himself in the second half a little bit. I am, I am not a Mo Bamba guy at this stage of the preseason. I would put it that way. It's only been two games. (laughs) We should stress that they've been two really bad games though. You hope he can sort of get himself together, but there's probably a reason he was a six overall pick and is now on a minimum contract. He's going to make mistakes. And I think the biggest thing is defensively, he has just not been good enough. And look, he's shooting like 
one for 12 or something from the preseason. So the offense hasn't been there either. And he's missing dunks. Like this is he's missing dunks and threes. He's very versatile so far, but the defense (laughs) has to be there. If his defense isn't there, he's not an NBA rotation player. And his defense has always been a little more theoretical than it has been an actual game impact. And so far it it's, it's been bad. Yeah. And have some people sounding off in the the comments that you know, Embiid hasn't played the Celtics and Joaquin points out that the Celtics play-by-play guys are are taking shots at Joel saying he decided not to show just like game seven look the Celtics and the people associated with the Celtics get to take those shots because they have humiliated the Sixers over and over and over again in big moments that's not just true now with the Joel era it's been true basically all throughout history with some rare exceptions. Basically, if the Sixers have been able to get past the Celtics, yeah. they've won the title. He's he's He said, like, this isn't a rivalry. They always kick our ass. Yeah. yeah. And so Joel is well aware of that. It is a little bit ridiculous, though, in a preseason setting where clearly none of this matters. And yeah. I would like to see Joel out there because, you know, Derek, we talked to Nick Nurse earlier today at practice and alluded to the fact that yeah, look, he's the biggest part of the system on both sides of the ball. Once he's out there, things change. We're going to get him touches in different spots than maybe other guys are. And I just I would rather watch the Sixers play with their best player. I don't think that's a, a controversial opinion yeah. at all. Well, not only that, but like, you know, if they are going to have to live without James Harden, I'd like to see Tyrese Maxey play with, with Joel Embiid because those two have to form a chem- chemistry how Maxi plays with Embiid is going to be different than how he plays without. You'd just like to see more of it. And look, it's two preseason games. Doesn't matter. NBA players and coaches barely care about these things. But there's so much change, not in personnel, because their top six or seven is remarkably static from yeah. last year, but in coaches, coaching schemes, in roles, you would just like to see. And look, part of it's selfish. It would be more fun to talk about a game right now that Jerome Embiid and yeah. James Harden played in. Uh, but I do think it would be beneficial. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's there's not much more to preseason basketball we can get into yeah. quite yet, I would say. So, first, we had Doc Rivers talk, so we got to talk about that. Yeah, we can't get the guy out of our life. I know. <laughs> we thought we didn't have to listen to Doc anymore, <laughs> and, and then he took a ESPN TV job, and, and I, no. there was nothing you can do. So, I, I do have the quotes in front of me from yesterday. I guess I'll, I'll read at least one of them off. Boy, Kyle, good can, job. Well, we'll go back and forth here and kind of have a podcast as sure. you as one does. So Doc talked about his relationship with James first and foremost. The highlight being, this is Doc directly saying, it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, it was pretty much neutral, it was an honest relationship at the end of the day. I would go so far as to say that anytime someone has given you the yeah, it was a neutral relationship. They <laughs> probably are not being entirely <laughs> they, truthful. They might be rounding that up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> there are very few people that I know, Derek, that if someone asked me about them, I'd say, I have absolutely no feelings about them at all. It might just right. be, oh, they're nice or they're, I don't really know them that well, but they seem like a decent person. So to say that it was neutral, I think is a giveaway in <laughs> yes. itself. But look, I think most of the people at home already knew and it's been reported pretty widely that James and doc didn't get along sure. at the, it's certainly at the end of his tenure. Yep. I agree. Uh, I think probably the most notable thing that he said there 
was that he would be surprised if it's resolved unless there is a trade. Uh, and again, that's somebody who knows James pretty well, even if they probably didn't get as long quite as much, as well as he, uh, you know, said right there. Uh, he does, he has spent a lot of time working with James and I think he's probably right. I would be right now surprised if it's resolved without a trade, but who knows if more time will help fix that situation. Um, he also said, you know, it's basically, he said that James is in a tough spot. Uh, we all know that we're it's all hard. trying to find the guy who did this. It's by the hard way. <laughs> to walk back all the things that have been said in a passive voice there. It's a tough situation for him. He's the only one who said anything like it's not, it's a tough situation for him because he said stuff. It was a pretty wild way of phrasing that. Um, but he's not wrong. I think it is going to be tough to walk that back. It's just, those are comments coming from James. Yeah. I, look, man, James is the one who said Daryl Morey is a liar right. and then creates this whole firestorm and had requested a trade, so on and so forth. So, yeah, and look, I, I get it. We both understand his position, but he right. did create what has happened. And that's not to say Daryl Morey didn't make mistakes. Like we've talked a lot about like he should have been able to predict James's reaction to strong arming him, but that was private. It's easier to walk those walk things walk back things that happen in private than holding up a you know taking out a billboard that said Daryl Morey is a liar. Like that 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 is admittedly tough to walk back, even <laughs> if James maybe wasn't directly involved in that sign. The fact that he put it out there in the first place, it is going to be tough to bring that back. Yeah. So that being said, like I don't think it's that tough. Like I think Daryl Morey would move on. Not He's tough a at all. freaking robot. He'd I think he'd move on if it gave him a two percent chance better of winning a championship. Yeah. And so to that point, Doc's broader advice to James Harden is a direct quote. Just play and it'll work out. James is a terrific player, and if he has to go to Philadelphia, clearly not the situation he wants to be in, going by what he has said, but just go and play, be a pro. And I think it'll all work out like that. Do you believe that? I think you if and I have preached would, that message, but the if longer he would this do that, I think it would. Yeah. I don't think he would ever do that though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people that you and I have talked to around the team, around Harden, around the league for that matter, have all kind of arrived at the same place, right? That right. one, they don't know what's going to happen Two, could wake up tomorrow and the situation could be flipped on its head. And I thought the big giveaway from Nick nurse, you weren't there for pregame last night. And I said this on the show yesterday, but our old friend, Tim Bontemps asked if it was fair to expect that James and Joel would play next Monday's preseason game. And Nick really danced around it. And it's like, well, you can't say that both guys are fully healthy and able and willing, importantly, to play and then just be like, well, they're not playing at right. all. You could, if you want to say, hey, we're scaling them up or we're doing this, we're doing that. Once you say, yeah, they're full go and, and they're ready to play, then you have to explain to us why these guys are not yeah. on the floor at all. It's not like, at least in the Celtics case last night with Tatum and Brown, that was their third game in four nights. So right. the Celtics were like, screw that. We're not doing right. that. These guys' games are very spaced out right now. Yeah. And it's not like, yeah, they don't need rest. They haven't played yet. Uh, no, it's like they, they need to ramp up. Uh, we have Austin Krell in the chat saying that neutral is how we feel about him. I think you're misreading that, buddy. You can't, Austin, you can't talk maybe about a butter little, noodles and be Maybe neutral. a little bit sub-neutral. I don't know. You can work <laughs> your way up with uh, some better food takes. Yes, I'm just, for sure. Just for so sure. everyone understands, I think Derek and I probably generally like Austin or at least tolerate his presence mouth. at uh, – 
<laughs> at, at games for sure. Thank you to Abe for doing our job for us, reminding people to hit that like button. I just I love when people take some of the responsibility off of Derek and I. Yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe he could tell the <laughs> folks about the Attaboy t-shirt we just released. Oh. To that point, uh, go to phlylocker.com. Released a brand new, uh, both in white and powder blue t-shirt of Bryce and the Attaboy. Of course, that is the famous saying coming uh, out of this Brave series and the iconic photo of Bryce staring him down after that was released. Um, just a, a great moment in Phillies lore. It'll and match Derek's hat it'll perfectly. Match hat. So. Uh, and assuming that the Phillies finish off and win one of these next two games, you'll have that in time for the NLCS, hopefully, uh, and you can rock your merch. So while we're still on Doc, I'm very fascinated to see how he fares as an analyst now because I think, broadly speaking, most people like <laughs> ex-coaches as analysts more than they do as actual NBA coaches. Even somebody like Doug Collins, for example. Yeah. He was, I thought he was a great, you know, he's who you and I probably heard growing up a lot yep. on NBC and some of the, the big NBA broadcasts back in the day. And then he took over the Sixers and played absolute terrorist basketball is how I would describe <laughs> it. So, look, I think we all probably have our issues with Doc Rivers as the head coach. I don't necessarily think he's got a, that's, a pot meat kettle here. Might not have the best voice for TV <laughs> <laughs> at this point. So... I don't know how much I'm going to want to listen to him, but I, I mean, do. I it's very unique at least. Like you, you won't have to be watching TV. You will know, you will know who's, who's on talking. when he's yep. on. Yeah. So I'm interested to see <laughs> how much unique insight he actually has because it's normally that first year or two when guys get out of the league and they can diagnose some plays on the fly. I know Tony Romo, for mm -hmm. example, his act has worn thin on a lot of people, but right away once he got that broadcasting job, there was some – insight he was able to provide at the NFL level. So we'll see what Doc does. But we had Dave in the comments said Doc hasn't been right about anything related to the Sixers yet. So I don't know if I go that far, but I'm sure there's a lot of people watching, listening who feel very similarly. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about a couple of our friends. We have a new friend to tell you guys about today called Soul Savvy. So Soul Savvy has been around since 2018. Their mission has stayed the same. It's to get sneakers into the hands of people who love them most. I will tell you personally, part of the reason as someone who loves sneakers that I'm not, I don't have a bigger sneaker collection is because new releases are always such a huge pain in the ass to get your hands on. And Soul Savvy, the huge part of their mission is to help people with that and make it easier for sneakerheads to get their hands on sneakers. There are three membership levels. There's the basic, which is free. It's for casual buyers. There's mobile plus at sneakerheads who are on the go. You build a rotation of sold out sneakers right from your phone. And then there's premium, which is what I have, which is what soul, soul savvy has hooked us up with. And that's for the people who are tired of paying resale prices, find your grails, grow your collection. And it's the world's biggest paid sneaker community. I have already gotten some notifications from the app to point me in the direction of some new releases that I'm getting ahead of time. So hopefully I'll be able to show those off at some point during a show in the near future. And all you guys have to do is sign up for soul savvy by visiting soulsavvy.com slash all city, or by downloading the drops app by soul savvy app. 
So shout out to Soul Savvy for being a new partner with us on the show. And then I also have to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook, who you've heard quite a bit about over the last few weeks. NFL season's going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Obviously, the Eagles are 5-0. and They're going to be favored in every game. I would imagine most people listening to us, watching us, are putting money on the birds. So we shall see if they continue on that undefeated train, but certainly we're all hoping for that around here. So get in on the game day greatness. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code PHLY. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus, age rise by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. So we have more comments from the peanut gallery. This one from former owner Michael Rubin. Oh, when you said former oh, owner, no, I was no, bracing no. myself for something different. So I'm no, no, glad no, no, no. That, uh... no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. And, and including former owner. No, we're not, we're not going there. Okay. This one from Michael Rubin on James Harden. Uh, he was on the Pat Bev podcast and basically asked, how would you have handled it? And he said, it wouldn't have happened, which that's not actually answering it. Like just saying it wouldn't have happened. How <laughs> would you have prevented it from happening? Didn't really get into that. Um, but he then goes on to say the two people I'm closest with in the NBA are Joe and James. They're both family to me. I love James. This thing is breaking my heart, which at least he admits that he's a little biased, but I think when you hear the rest of it, he certainly is taking James side in this. Uh, he then goes on to say, uh, when I run my business, one of the biggest things I do is I'm always working to bring people together. I always say my job at Fanatics is to bring people together, have the right strategy, and stop dumb shit from happening. <laughs> that is one of my key jobs is stopping dumb shit from happening. I put this one Isn't in Isn't that the part of shit. everyone's jobs at whatever they're doing? I certainly try not to do dumb shit, but I don't know. He sa- then says, I put this one in the dumb shit category. So he really doesn't get into any details of how he would have stopped this from happening, but he's pretty convinced that this wouldn't have happened under his watch, which is just a very billionaire approach to it. What did you sort of take away from Ruben's talk? So a lot of people made this comparison and made me laugh that it was like Mark Wahlberg saying he would have stopped 9-11 if he was on the plane. Or there's an even, there's a funnier tweet where a guy says if he was at Chernobyl, he would have stopped it. It's like, to your point, Derek, you're saying there's no explanation being given for how he would have solved it. To me, the subtext is Michael Rubin probably would have just said, we're going to pay this guy yes. and we'll pay him that's, whatever he wants. That, that's what we've been saying the whole time. Like The only way to really stop this is to pay him. So he's just yeah. saying they should have paid him. Because that's, I mean, look, we can try to dress it up and everyone's going to sit here and say, James is about winning and this and that. He shows up to camp in shape. and But 
the conflict is about the money. If James had felt secure in what he was getting in terms of years, in terms of the actual sticker price, we wouldn't be sitting here even discussing this. We'd be talking about how crappy Mo Bamba has looked as the, <laughs> right. the third big for the first two preseason games. Yeah, and maybe Mo Bamba and especially Paul Reed would look a little better because James Harden would have gotten them easy shots. Maybe not Mo. Mo's been blowing a lot of really easy looks lately, um, but certainly Paul Reed. Yeah, look, it's it's a combination of like him thinking that he can fix everything and he's magical touch on Sixers problems and also just they should have paid him. And I think he's probably a little too close to the situation. You know, Michael Rubin is rich, but he's known because he's leveraged that money to no famous people. So I think Michael Rubin is always going to side with the players because that's how he stays relevant in the public eye, not he was relevant the, business wise. He was the quote unquote cool owner, right? right? So he, I think he's always going to side with players in these kinds of disputes. I think he probably would have just paid James Harden. I think that would have been a mistake. So that's not really, that's creating a brand new problem to solve another one. Um, it's great that he has that viewpoint, but I don't think he's like, I'm almost glad he's not involved. <laughs> so let's play devil's advocate for a quick second. I would say if there's a case to be made that Ruben would have helped and done something other than just pay him all the money in the world, give him the max for four years, whatever. He does have those relationships with people beyond Harden, right? Like there are sure. stories out there of him being on the casino floor with little baby all night long and like hanging out with him. And he's by all accounts has like actual relationships with people that are close with James. And if you needed some sort of go between where it's like, okay, Daryl in the front office and whoever else doesn't want to tamper. They don't want to get fined. They don't want to lose picks. Maybe Ruben could have been involved in some kind of, I mean, not suggesting that anything bad happens or illegal happens in the NBA, but as, some, as Brian Colangelo would love to say, anything untoward. Yeah, there's nothing. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but Michael Ruben probably would have had some useful connections to people that to work around some of these problems and communicate to his agent, his manager, his friends, somebody around James that. It's all going to be okay. You're going to be taken care of. And any silence that you're hearing from Daryl or anyone else does not mean that you're all of a sudden going to be a mid-level player. Like that's where you could see him bringing value other than just cut the check. Sure. But he's still a guy who had connections to James Harden and Daryl Morey. He could have acted as that mediator without being an owner of the team. That's why I said it's devil's advocate and not my actual position. (laughs) if, If James Harden was like, just went to him and was like, yo, Mike, Daryl's being a bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Like he could have weighed in on that without still owning a share of the Sixers. Really, my takeaway is he just would have tried to convince them to give James Harden the entire bag. And I don't that's why I don't want the owner being hands-on, especially when you're talking about a close personal friend of the owner. It was a uh, it was a rest uh, a situation that was ripe for just a really bad decision. Yeah. So look. I I respect that he thinks he could have made a difference. You and I would probably look at a lot of things from the outside and be like, well, here's what I would have done. It's always easier to say things like that that mean nothing in hindsight than actually right. being in the thick of it and doing something. And Ruben knows that. Like he's making decisions that are literally like billion dollar decisions sometimes. So it's uh, it, it sounds good on a podcast, but the reality of it is without the communication between Daryl and James or without just 
opening free agency by saying we're going to give you, you know, $200 million, nothing is materially yeah. going to change. How about you just worry about making jerseys that don't have crooked numbers or ship or ship on time? time. Yeah. <laughs> just worry about that. People still haven't gotten their Kelly Green stuff that they ordered in what, like August? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that it's hard to take from that perspective, I would say. Always good to have a monopoly. Always good for business. Um, all right. Do you want to move on to the ESPN NBA player rank? Yeah, sure. So overall, just a sort of brief overview of where various Sixers play, and then we will talk about each one of them. Uh, the Sixers had one player in the top 10. You'll never guess who it is. It is, in fact, Joel Embiid. He came in at third overall last year. He was fourth. They had two players in the 40s, Tyrese Maxey at 42 and James Harden at 43. For Maxey, that is almost exactly where he was last year. He was at 44 last year. For James Harden, that's a pretty big drop. He went from 11 to 43. Then Tobias Harris came in at 83 this year after being at 56 last year. What was, I guess, sort of the one that surprised you the most? Honestly, it was Harden yeah. more than anything because we all see the situation is what it is. I, at this point, I'm probably on team. James isn't coming back basically regardless. But. I don't think that it's fair to drop him 32 spots when you consider how well he played last year. Like we can say game seven, bad game six, bad. And when they needed him the most, whatever. But a lot of these guys in front of him didn't even make the playoffs. Like Kyrie Irving, for example, teams up with Luca, who is unanimously considered a top five player and they fucking threw away the end of the year because they weren't good enough to make the playoffs and we're like yeah you know what we'd rather have a draft pick instead so whatever you say about Harden in terms of the will he play where is he going to play is he going to sabotage the Sixers he is much better than the 43rd best player in the NBA and I will I would say that to anybody so again the ESPN NBA rank. It was a panel of, I think it was 150 journalists. Um, was it journalists? Yeah. I think it was just journalists. It doesn't matter. 150 reporters, editors, producers, and analysts, uh, where they were asking for predicted contributions for the 2023, 24 season only. And to your point, he was 11 last year and he came into the season with a lot of uncertainty on how he would bounce back from his injuries, had a better year than I think any of us were predicting regular season, especially, but he then had two of his best playoff moments of his career in the playoffs to have dropped 32 spots was pretty stunning. And you can go through the list of players in the forties and thirties. I would take James Harden over most of them. I think James Harden is still a top 30 player. Despite all of the stress that he causes everyone here. I think he's still a top 30 player in the NBA. Maybe. And it may be the only way I can justify it. They're wondering how much he's going to play this year or how long he might hold out or whether he'll give any effort. And for predicting contributions for this season, maybe that's factoring into it if he's coming in and not trying. But if you're just going on merit on what you would expect on the basketball court from a player of his caliber, he's he's way low. Yeah, way I mean, low. look, we could just go through some of the names on here. And I don't mean to disparage any of these guys, but I probably will in the process of doing it. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are together on the same team, can't even make the playoffs, and they're supposed to be better than James Harden, who was able to put together, like, monster performances yep. 
against a really good team in the playoffs and also had a great year. Bradley Beal is ahead of him. Bradley Beal has been a loser for most of his career. Like he might be effective and in a better situation now. Certainly is better suited to be a number three next to Booker and KD. But honestly, putting that guy in front of Harden is just like, what are we doing here? We get further down the list. And now, look, I don't want to disrespect young guys who I think Paolo Bancaro is going to be really good. Yep. But saying that he's going to be 13 spots in the top 100 better than James Harden in year two yep. after the years that they both just had, it's just like everyone wants to be too soon on everything. Yes. James is very good still right now. He might not be the game seven, game six, like title winning type player. But if you're just saying these are the best players for the full season, there is no way you can put some or Brandon Ingram is another, he's at 27, something like that. When he's had to carry the load in new Orleans with Zion in and out of the lineup, hasn't been able to do it. So like, I don't, James has an unbelievable track record as a regular season player, whenever he's healthy. And so, like, I'm not even a hardened guy historically. It's crazy that they're. I didn't even us, like yeah. watching him play really when he was at his apex. But to say he's the 43rd best player yep. in the league is just wild to me. No, they and and to your point, everyone does want to have be ahead of the curve. Like I remember when I used to cover the draft for Draft Express. Like it wasn't about being right so much as having a strong and early opinion. If you can be the first to an opinion and be strong about it, you will get attention. And that kind of went in the complete opposite of what I felt like my goal was, which was actually get to the right evaluation. And I think some of that is here too. Like everyone knows where Harden's going in future years. So if you get out early, you can be like, ah, I told you so. But, and and uh, Dave brought this up in the chat. The point of these lists is to get people talking about them. Broadly speaking, I think that's true. But in, in terms of like the rankings, because if you rank a hundred players in the NBA, there's always going to be people who disagree with them. So you'll always get conversation around it. In terms of the individual ranking, I don't think any individual player is ranked at a certain spot to specifically get shattered because it's about 150 people, you know, aggregating 150 different opinions into one ranking. It's not like, you know, everyone's not going to be in lockstep like, oh, let's, you know, let's get James Harden ranked low so ESPN can get traffic. Like, that's not how 150 reporters and analysts are thinking about this. So I do think this, broadly speaking, the general consensus of where he is, I do think it's wrong. Um, I think he's a better player than that. But there's so much drama. There's so much uncertainty because of that drama that it's playing. It's dropping him lower than it should be. And I just want to separate, set Harden aside for a second. Carl Anthony Towns at 20, saying that guy's a top 20 player when he fold. Like, if you're going to ding Harden for folding in big moments, Carl Anthony Towns might not have a single good moment in a play in a postseason game. It's only been there a couple times. And whenever he's there, the guy folds like a cheap tent. So, like, if you're going to say, hey, all the, fuck the regular season, we're throwing all this stuff out, and all that matters is who are the guys that count in the playoffs, I can get behind that. You can't then rank Carl Anthony Towns in the top 20 in yep. the entire NBA ahead of guys like De'Aaron Fox, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, even guys like Siakam. Like, what the hell are we doing here? The guy's accomplished absolutely nothing except putting up a bunch of numbers on a team that doesn't matter. Yep. 
I agree. All right, let's talk real quickly. You know about, why I'm so mad about this? I'm not, like I hate I, all these got, ranking type things. Calvin in the chat saying that we worship James Harden. It's like I, you clearly have not listened to a single one of the 30 or so podcasts we've done before this because that is not true. It's just we think this ranking is too low. Any, anyway, anyway, game time. You know, if you're trying to get tickets to what is it next Friday's preseason opener or hopefully more likely trying tonight. to get tickets to uh, even Philly's tonight playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Game, game four tonight. Game time is the place. Um, you want to go and they make buying tickets to your favorite events less stressful because that sh there's a lot of stress going around in terms of coming up with the money for some of these tickets, especially tickets to night's game. It's not going to be cheap. The actual process of buying it should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Kyle and I talk about this all the time, but just being able to see where you're going to see, it's where amazing. you're going to sit, the sight line you're going to have, the experience you'll have. It's it's worth... It's really cool for concerts invaluable. too because you can see like where the, the stage stages, will be set yeah. up and that part is really yeah. awesome. Yeah. If you've ever gone to a concert and you just can't see the show, you'll know exactly why. That is a really big deal. Um, forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. There you go, Derek, taking the game time ad today. Uh, Bri, I wanted to pull up. Some, Trip City said something about we only can name Lil Baby, that, and we understand he's not the only rapper. Yes, of course I understand that, but Lil Baby comes to James Harden games in a James Harden jersey and is very close with James Harden. I'm not bringing Lil Baby up because he's the only rapper that I know. I'm bringing him up because James Harden has showed up to his birthday and given the guy like a hundred grand in cash. They are very, very close. That's the point. Not that it's, it's not, not that that's just yeah. a single rapper that I know or Michael Rubin knows. They're extremely close. That's all that is. We have a lot of people sounding off on Cat at Twenty. Martian Martian Lynch says Secaucus should review Cat at Twenty. Whoever Dave says whoever ranked Cat Twenty would also have made that horrific Gobert trade. Yeah, that I mean, Anthony Edwards is going to have to be like the second coming He's of Michael Jordan to prop yep. those two up. Uh, so I guess the next thing then, Derek, is the Joel portion, or maybe Tyrese. I guess Tyrese at forty-two, yeah. I think, is probably less contentious just because you and I went through the list and said he still has work to do to pass. Most, if not all, of these guys. Yeah. Look, if you want to be a top 30-ish player, especially from a perimeter position, you have to be at least good at creating for others. Yeah. It's real tough to just be a scorer, which I love Tyrese, but he's his imprint on the game is mostly his own individual scoring. He has his concerns defensively. He's not really creating for his teammates. It's real tough in today's NBA to be a perimeter player and be a top 20, top 30 player without that. So would you argue like maybe, oh, instead of 42, he should be 35. We can have those discussions and go through 
you know, every player. You might maybe expect him to move up more than two slots considering how much he improved last year. But he just has to add to his game in order to really make a significant jump. And again, anything I would say above 30 would be a very significant jump. And he's not there yet. He, he could develop into that. He could be there at the end of the year. But I would understand not putting him in the top, let's say, 35, 30 right now. Yeah. So, the I mean, we could just go through the names that I brought up with relation to Harden. I don't think you can say Tyrese is better than someone like DeRozan or Levine right. or guys like that yet. Now, could he maybe get there one day? We'll see. DeRozan certainly became a little bit different as a at his size, obviously, and with his athletic tools, but became a better playmaker and you know built on his base over time. So there are even examples there of what Tyrese needs to do and how he needs to get better. But but yeah, I think it's it's about fair right now. And then if he's able to make that leap that you're talking about with regards to playmaking, Derek. We could be talking top 30, yeah. top 25, really depends on the level of the playmaking. And then certainly, look, we talked about it with the most improved player discussion the other day. Tyree's just getting the volume and getting to you know 25 points a game, pick a, a nice round number that everybody would go ooh and ah over. I think if he can do that, if he can get to 25 points a game, then all of a sudden, the people he might not change who he is at all, but how he's talked about and how he's received around the league is going to change quite a bit. Joaquin in the uh, chat bringing up that Walker Kessler being rated above Rudy Gobert is hysterical. Oh, I mean, it's, as it stands right now, that's going to go down as one of the worst trades. Although in, he's not. I think Kessler is 70 and Gobert is 64. So I think Rudy is slightly ahead, but they gave up. Not only a lot of That's years. That's just NBA rank, though. That's Kessler <laughs> is much younger, but they gave up four picks and a pick swap or two and all that stuff on top of that. Uh, it is hysterical. Yeah, You're so. Right. Just a, a head scratcher right from the moment it happened. And then you watched Gobert's fit and you watched Kessler as a it, really bad. So actually, while we're on this maxi tangent for the time being, Nick Nurse did bring something up yesterday that I don't think you were there for, Derek. Or no, maybe, it wasn't. I was in the studio. No, but I'm saying I don't know if this came up and okay. I was forgetting. Nick said at some point yesterday that one of his stated goals is they want Tyrese to get 20 shots a game. And that is a, a specific threshold he wants him to get to. And so that I think is at least sort of new information of like, all right, right. we're we know they want him to shoot more. Joel certainly has said over the years, we we got to get more threes out of Tyrese. But now to hear the head coach say 20 shots a game is kind of the minimum expectation yeah. we have for Tyrese, that's a step up for him. And I think to get into these conversations at top 30, top 25, all that, beyond what it means for his value and maybe his all-star chances, I think that's pretty meaningful that – the from Jump Street here, they're telling Tyrese, now's your time to to really see an uptick in volume. Yep. And even more specifically than 20 shots, I want seven or eight threes. Oh. Get me seven. Like Rich always says 10. I think 10's a little bit optimistic. Um, there's not many players in the league, especially when they garner the type of attention that Tyrese Maxey does on the perimeter. You can get up 10 threes reliably, especially if you don't have any real plus passers around you. But get me seven or eight. I want seven or eight. And, and the preseason so far, he's been doing that, but... You know, it's also the preseason. Yeah, limited minutes. Yeah. He doesn't have Harden or Embiid out there. Uh, so I get all that. But look, that's a, that'd be an increase of 
five-ish shots a game compared to last year. Yep. So And like two threes. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think it's doable. It's just a matter of there are still some times you see him going side to side when he needs to get downhill or look at the rim. And it comes with time. I think he is slowly beginning to understand you're going to be one of like probably the two guys this year based on how things are going to shake out with Harden. And he's got to carry himself that way. All right, so do we want to go over the top 10 now? Yeah, so we had some people asking who, number one, who's in the top five, top 10. So if you want to go through them, I can sure. read it. I have it in front of me if you want me to read it, but it's up to you. I don't give a shit. All right, so at 10, Anthony Davis. At nine, LeBron James. Eight is my guy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Seven is Kevin Durant. Six is Tatum. Five is Stephen Curry. Four is Luka Doncic. Three is number 21 from Cameroon, Joel Embiid. And then Nikola Jokic at two and Giannis at one. Does anything specifically jump out at you there, Derek? Oh, Giannis at one. I, I thought, was surprised by it I as thought well. Jokic was a shoe in for one. And I would say historically I've been a Giannis and Joel over Jokic guy. But I thought coming off of the run Jokic just had, it I mean, was just look, like an undeniable. The last three years, he's won two MVPs and then followed that up with a title where he was a finals MVP. And by the way, was the runner up for MVP. Right. So when he didn't win it. And look, I think a lot of this ranking is based on regular season expectations. Giannis can struggle at times in a postseason. It is harder for him to do what he does offensively in a postseason. We just saw that Jokic's game, when he has, especially the supporting cast around him that he does, translates very, very well. I am surprised. And quite frankly, if we just talk about, like, once you get in the playoffs, which one of these guys do you want? I think the list can change pretty severely. Probably or not. Or, like, Jimmy Butler would go way up Probably not in, in Joel's favor either. Um, but when you start talking about Kevin Durant and Steph and playoff performances, assuming health, and again, I think health, especially in someone like Kevin Durant's case, probably factors in pretty heavily there but once you get in the playoffs you know you've only got so many games left um it's yeah i, I was stunned at Giannis at one not stunned because i thought he would be top two but like Giannis over Jokic surprised me a lot i will say this about kevin durant everybody got on charles barkley for the bus driver stuff and like look i get it it's chuck takes a lot of shit regardless Kevin Durant has not accomplished anything since leaving the Golden State Warriors. Furthest he's gone in the playoffs is the second round. Same same predicament we find ourselves in covering the Philadelphia 76ers. And we can make all the he's there have been injuries that his team has dealt with and didn't have continuity in Phoenix and so on and so forth. But like there's Respect given to him in a way that is like not matching what he's offered in the playoffs. I think I, and I'm not like Kevin Durant is a first ballot all time great Hall of Famer, but I think that's probably about where he is in the playoffs and the regular season for me. He is not. It used to just be well, he's one of the three best players on planet Earth. Period. I'll take him on any team, whatever. And teams have. I mean, the Celtics kicked his fucking ass in the playoffs. The one like totally just blew yeah. them out of the water. I think I think there's a couple things. First, he has been a part of teams that won. And he was, you know, he played a, a big role for sure. Had some signature moments. 
But even since leaving Golden State, like over the last three years in 27 playoff games, he's averaged 31 points and shot 48% from the field and 37% from three. It's not like he's like when you look at Joel and you say he's never gotten past second round, but then you look it at his numbers. It is definitely different. The numbers are and way his different. his field goal percentage drops 10%. That kind of drop off doesn't happen with Kevin Durant. And I think when you look at some of the craziness that happened in Brooklyn and, and yada, yada, a whole bunch of stuff, I think there's probably more understanding. Then you factor in the injuries. Um, for the most part, I don't think, I agree with you that outside of the, you know, three years in Golden State, he hasn't had the postseason success that would go with a player of his stature. But I think there's a lot of more understanding that it wasn't all his also, the overall numbers are a little misleading because he had the insane series against Milwaukee when they had basically nobody left healthy in Brooklyn. That the, when he stepped on That's the line? That's when he stepped on the line and didn't make it to the conference finals because of that. That was like an all-time, nothing more you can do type of, and all respect to him for that. Against the Celtics a year later, he shot 38% from the field. Not from three, from the field. Right. And last year against the Nuggets, he shot 22% from three. Still had good numbers, like put up 29 and a half on 45% from the field. I would say if if the Sixers were getting something like that out of Joel on top of getting his defense, yep. they probably would have gotten to a conference finals by now. All I'm saying is like the playoff record is a lot more uneven than I think yeah. people give credit for. So <laughs> people in the chat are saying, hey, let's trade – Harden for KD then. Yeah, I don't think Phoenix is making that deal. I have to I think the rankings have, have been fair to the two of them with respect to how much better one is than I the don't other. think Phoenix is making that deal, but it wouldn't surprise me if Daryl Morey asked for it. Because he'll <laughs> ask for it. They can't say yes if you never ask. All right. We'll uh finish off that NBA rank uh after this. And if you have any questions, drop them in chat. We'll try to get to them. Before that, a quick word from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment mer merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. And by the way, they are the overall kings. I've been seeing those Phillies overalls all around the city right now. And look, it is a great time. You want that Phillies gear. Especially if you want if Phillies overalls, FOCO is the place to go. I know personally a bunch of people who have gone to FOCO for these new Phillies overalls. Yeah, and they have other stuff too, if, if overalls aren't your thing. Yeah. They're not my thing. I'm just saying. They're, it's a hot item. FOCO is the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With football and tailgating season and now and uh, baseball playoff runs, it means overall hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game FOCO has. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, Use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. Um, I will say I was a little surprised Joel was number three. I, I I thought there was a chance he could be four or five just because I think there's so much skepticism over the playoff stuff. And I know this is supposed to be a regular season debate, but I thought that would seep into sort of like the collective, collective consciousness of the voters. Um, I know he's the reigning MVP. I think somebody in the, there was, uh, you know, Bob Marks and Tim Bontemps and all the ESPN guys, uh, did a follow-up column on this. And I know someone at this point, they said like, what do you project the top five be uh, next year? And somebody had Embiid falling out. I'm a little surprised that the, the, like I said, the playoff failures didn't impact the ranking. Well, and I would say this, I think part of the reason he didn't is if you look at some of the other guys, they all have their issues too, right? Like I think Shea at eight, for example, he's too young to, 
He was a top five MVP yeah. finisher and last year. to your year. point, like you've got to win a playoff series before yeah. you get top five. For yeah. sure. And then you look at, so Tatum will be another guy I'd look at, right? Yep. Like beat Joel's team straight up and honestly carried them to a win in game seven and had all the heroics. But then the Celtics mostly fell flat on their face against Miami in the next round and underwhelmed after they made it out of the second round. And so I think people have kind of been waiting for Tatum to have like the ass kicking MVP type season. And he hasn't quite gotten there yet. So, you know, maybe that's this year, but people are discounting that a little bit. Steph at five, you know, he's just getting older and has had issues staying healthy at times. So you have to fact price that into essentially where you're putting them. And then same thing with Luca, as I brought up with Kyrie earlier, I love Luca. I think he could be the MVP basically any year, but you do have to actually win games yeah. and not just put up numbers. So to not make, again, I thought it was so embarrassing that they traded for Kyrie and, they got worse. and then they just had to pack it in at yeah. the end of the season. Like what a, I understood the motivation at the end because they looked at it and said, we don't have a real chance to beat you know, the Nuggets or the Suns or any of these other teams. And it's better for us to load up on. Certainly it'd be hypocritical if I was like, well, they can't tank after all we said about the process. But yeah, if you're a top five player in the league and your team is saying, hey, you know what? Let's let's just think about next year a little bit. That's I don't think you can bump him past Joel if you thought Joel was better in the first place. Nope, I agree. I agree. So you had a... You had some thoughts on the whole Braves locker room and the attaboy Harper that you wanted to Oh, I had thoughts, but I also wanted to ask you kind of your takeaway from mostly the Braves complaining about Archia and how that all played out. Right. Um, Because you and I are in the locker room a lot where there are side combos and different things happening that certainly don't make it to print or get filmed or anything like that. No, look, it's one thing. So, so basically, um, he was, uh, yelling at a boy Harper about Harper's decision to try to, um, basically score off of a, a long fly out. Um, and he got tagged up and the game, uh, by being doubled up at first. And he just kept repeatedly yelling at a boy Harper over and over in a locker room while reporters are in there. And to your point, like we've certainly been in there where you hear players have like a one-on-one conversation with other players. You might overhear things. That kind of stuff, I just choose not to relay. Like if they're having a private conversation, I would respect that as much as possible. But if you're screaming at a boy Harper on the top of your lungs. <laughs> and doing it repeatedly, by the way. <laughs> and by the way, it's not the media's. And baseball might be a little different. I think they're allowed in the locker room for a little longer than we are. Yeah. But we usually get like 15 minutes in a locker room. Like, just don't scream and give bulletin board materials during the 15 minutes that we're there. So, yeah, I think on the one hand, like, if it's a private conversation, I'm not going to pry into that. I'm not going to report that. But don't scream it constantly at the top of your lung and expect it not to make its way out of that room. It's very surprising. Yeah, I just, it seemed like a very clear case of, oh, shit, I got caught saying something that had negative consequences. So now I need to find someone else to blame it on. Because at Derek's point, I mean, look, we're in the locker room and guys like Joel and Tyrese or PJ and D house or James and somebody are having these little one-on-ones together where maybe there's some shit talking at another team or something going on in the league, or can you believe this trade or whatever it is? 
but it's not stuff that's being said. It's clearly not for public consumption. We might be in right. the room, but they're not yelling across the room to one another. They're just, we happen to be within earshot. And there is a line sometimes where you're like, so that I am not betraying the trust of these guys. I'm not just going to share everything they say. Right. But if James Harden walked into the room and bellowed like, Nikola Jokic is a fat sack of shit or something like I would print that immediately or I would tweet it immediately because once you turn it into this is a public thing that I'm okay with people hearing rather than a private conversation between players or player and PR player and coach it's a completely different story so all this is to say I think this guy is being a fucking loser who's on the Braves who just can't handle the fact that he wasn't smart enough to see a bunch of people with video cameras and microphones in a room and you just curtail it a little bit. The other thing is, as far as I understand it, this guy's been in the league for quite a while. This isn't like a 21, 22 year old kid is my understanding. Those guys know when you're in the playoffs, there's a much bigger media contingent, right? There's Orlando Arcia, 29. He's 29 years old. He knows there's a bigger media contingent. There's going to be more local people, more national people, even like for the Phillies, more local people will travel for the average playoff mm-hmm. game than average regular season game in Atlanta or the reverse in Philadelphia. So once you see people in the locker room who do not have Braves gear on, you know that yeah. anything you do can and will be used against you for motivation by the yeah. other team. So I, I think it's ridiculous. I can see where he's coming from, from a broader perspective. But in this case, where the reporting is that he was essentially gleefully yelling this in the locker room, your locker room is not safe. I can promise you that. No. And look, I mostly view this as a humorous side note to what is hopefully a fantastic Phillies uh, win and advance. Uh, And again, it is, you know, Orlando Garcia mentioned or saying attaboy Harper and then Bryce responding by staring directly at him as he ran the bases. The stare down was runs. unbelievable. The, the focus of our, our, the new shirt again, phlylocker.com. Go check that out. You can see it on the screen right now. It is to me, mostly humorous and a nice yeah. fun little anecdote that we will remember in a couple of years. I am surprised a little bit that it became a debate because it's just, it's not a debate. I want to say too, real quick on the Phillies while we're on this subject. Man, is it fucking cool having a guy in Bryce Harper who yeah. in these moments has just absolutely grabbed Inside. the game by the neck. Yeah. And just look, it's really hard to do that in baseball generally, right? There could be, You could go through a whole game and Bryce Harper might never get up with guys on base yep. or like a real meaningful moment. Maybe he still hits a home run, but then it's like a solo shot and it's still a tight game. So for him to have that, all everything is converging at once. He steps up to the plate with runners on base. And game at that point probably could have gone either way, right? If they get out of that, settles your nerves a little bit as a pitcher, and maybe the Braves go on and, and end up winning that game. So for Bryce, as a Philadelphia athlete, we don't see this very often, quite frankly. To step up and just absolutely hammer that thing was, was really cool. And I will, even though I was stuck at a preseason game, I will remember... <laughs> watching that on the jumbotron for quite a long time we were we were podcasting in here during the pregame and you could just hear jamie (laughs) screaming at the top of his lungs no look there's you know in philly we don't have a grace track record with free agents and bring them in and part of that is with basketball 
when you get a chance to actually sign free agents, they're usually at the very tail end of their prime. Like there's nine years of team control. So it's sometimes tough to make a big imprint through free agency, but it seems like every time someone is signed, it's Chris Weber. That was a trade, but whatever, you know, something like that. Elton Brand. Sure. No disrespect sure. to the old school shabby. And honestly. it's just like, we get our hopes up and they don't follow through. And for him to come here, win an MVP, have all these iconic moments, really feel like he elevates his game in the playoffs, which again, some of that with baseball, even if you are more locked in, even if you, you know, are handling your nerves, baseball is so random. You might not get the opportunity. You might hit a ball, you know, that's 390. You don't just get to throw the ball to Bryce Harper in the post, right? right. That's just right. not an option. <laughs> There's only so much you have under your control, but for him to come here and capture the city the way he has. And look, I know some people will be like, oh, he's pandering with some of the things he does. Of course he does, but he's also making an effort to be part of our community. And it's been really, really fun to see. I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited for the rest of the playoff run, which hopefully should be much longer. Um, and I'm just excited that the city, like I said, they gave him a massive contract. And for him to follow through on it, it's been, a, I won't say surprising because he was, a, I mean, he was a former MVP before he got here. Yeah. But it's just not something that happens in the city all that often. No, for him to continue ascending he might be underpaid it's crazy to say is awesome and honestly i hope i hope that joel looks at what bryce has done and how he because let's be honest here too bryce's track record in the playoffs prior to last year not, was yeah. not good yep. you can change the narrative real you quick. can change the arc of your career with one big moment one big series one big run and that's what all the people who follow the Sixers, what Derek and I have been waiting for, is for Joel to turn all of this regular season stuff that he's done, all the accolades, the MVP, the All-Stars, All-NBA, to take all that, set aside the bullshit, stay healthy for yep. at least one playoff run, and disprove all the people who say this guy's a choker, he's this, he's that. He's got an opportunity to do it every single year that he's healthy. So I hope that he here like sees what Harper did, but just as importantly, I know Joel talks about the city a lot, but seeing Bryce go up there and talk about how genuine his affection is for, you know, the people who show up to these games and give him that juice. Like I hope that Joel can channel yeah. some of that. So we don't end up in a game seven or a game six where the body language is bullshit. And we're just wondering yeah. like, when is this guy, gonna wake up and it is tough because like each person is a different person and i do think i think joe shares that affection for the city like i think that is genuine but he does have you know if bryce harper has exceptional body language joel's sort of at the other end of that spectrum <laughs> especially when things go wrong um so in terms of improving that and maybe improving his connection to the fan base and but really it just got, comes down to like you've got to have a bryce harper like playoff run yeah, and that will change in. And it only run. takes one. Yep. Once you get the the one out of the way, then I feel like the whole world opens up. All right, Attaboy, Kyle. Thank you for jumping on, <laughs> and we will talk to you soon. And thank you everybody with us today. I see Jim, Martian, Joaquin, the hypothetical man, Brian, Vincent, all kinds of people. Brandon, Dave, Randy. I could just keep naming names as Brianna scrolls up. Thank you, guys. We have proven that Kyle can read. Thank I can read, Brian. guys. Thank you, guys, as always, for rocking with us. And if you can hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel on the way out, that would help us a great deal. Mm -hmm.